Listeners, remember when everyone was doing juice cleanses and was basically hangry all the time? Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to lose weight. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Rose partners handle all the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. You can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. This means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to Roe co slash clink sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that medication costs are separate that's ro.co slash clink hi and welcome to housewives of true crime welcome welcome i am tabitha Give me Dateline, white wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like white wine, true crime, and in bed by nine because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are housewives of true crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Good. Welcome. 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 <laughs> nice to see you, Gretchen, this morning. Nice to see you. Good morning. Good morning. Clink, clink. Clink, clink. We're drinking the mimosas this morning. Yeah, but we're evening out the carbs by eating the egg white bites. From Costco. Yeah, they're the best. Delicious. They're the best. They're better than the Starbucks ones. Oh my God, they're better than anything. With less carbs. Yeah, so good. So if you guys have a Costco near you. Check out the egg white bites. It's really worth it. Mm -hmm. And if you have an air fryer, stick them in there for about six minutes. Tabitha is such a diva. I had to wait for her ass to like air fry it so it could be crispy. It's so I just eat them cold. Cold. That's so gross to me. (laughs) I can't even watch Gretchen eat her cold eggs. Ah, So yucky. But mine are nice and crispy. Even when I go and get the egg white bites at Starbucks, I make them do it twice in their little. But then it's so hot, you can't even eat them. I love it like that. Just like hot soup. I can't stand lukewarm anything. It's either got to be like. All right. Piping hot or cold. Okay. Okay. Noted. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I am the picky one. (laughs) Yeah, you are the picky one. (laughs) So what's happening? Oh, well, Gretchen and I, we should tell them about our exciting weekend. We posted a little bit about it. Oh, yeah. We had a night out. We had a girls' night out. We were invited to go see Heather McDonald. Yeah, we love her. And... That was real fun. Mm-hmm. It was just the two of us because our other friend had a little catastrophe at her house. Couldn't find her bunny for a while. She couldn't make it. Remember? But she found the bunny. She so. found the bunny. Yeah. It Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because that bunny is like a dog, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's really hard for me to understand because I had the worst bunnies in the world. Yeah, they were like real bitey. Yeah, they bit the kids. It was Santa brought them and my daughter was real mad at Santa. She's asking Santa for a puppy in replace of the bunnies. Yeah. Not happening. Yeah, I knew it was a bad idea from the start. I know. called it. I was like, they're going to poop all over your house. It's going to be terrible. Oh, it was terrible. Anybody has bunnies out there, God love you, but they are the worst pets. So if you're thinking about get bunnies, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> Just a public service <laughs> announcement for that. Yeah. What am I going to, am I going to get a bad review? Probably from some bunny breeder. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Maybe some people love it. I don't know. Not yeah. for me. Yeah. But they're in a nice home now. Think it through. Yeah. That's uh-huh. all we're saying. Okay. So at the Heather McDonald concert that we mm-hmm. went, or not concert, the um, show, so. we went out after to the Mastro's, uh-huh. which is a fancy steakhouse. And the first thing Gretchen and I do, beeline it to the bathroom, because we just downed our drinks at the show. And lo and behold, I find something in the bathroom that I have to ask Gretchen, of course, what it is. Well, she made me come in the bathroom stall <laughs> with her. I was like, really? Only after I found it. Yeah, but I was, she was like, no, just come here. Just come here. I have to show you something. I'm like, oh my God, I was getting a little scared. Now I know where my kids get it. <laughs> All last night, they were like, mom, I'm trying to write the episode. I was like, what? And they're like, just come down and see it. Just come down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, just tell me. Anyways. Anyways, so it's a little vial. Of Coke. Of cocaine. <laughs> Somebody left it in the bathroom, yeah. on the toilet. Toilet paper roll, actually. I'll post a picture of it for I you. I didn't know that people that were doing the cocaine still did it in little glass vials. That seems like so 80s or something to me. And by the way, in every- my day, they just did it in little plastic baggies. In your day. <laughs> in your high school days? No, in my 20s days. Oh. But I worked at a bar or two, you know, and we would occasionally find some. Oh, okay. Well, you know, the crowd at Mastro's was pretty fancy. And I was trying to scope out who would be doing the cocaine there. Yeah, well, you know, the troubling thing is, is that the Coke makes you not want to eat. I know you and somebody both said at the same time, they were like, what a waste of a steak. From what I've heard, okay? Yeah. I've heard that. And so it's real perplexing because Mastro's is like the best food ever. Ever. And I mean, and let me tell you, it was over. From the time we walked up to the table and they put the bread in front of me because the bread... <laughs> They have pretzel bread. It's so good. It's the best. With salted butter. I mean, the whole thing is just so good. It's like wasting like a good meal by not enjoying it, by doing, you know, the nose candy. But doesn't that not make you want to eat? So then maybe they didn't want to scarf down all that yummy food. Oh, God. How could you? How could you not? The wedge salad Mm. with that bacon they put on there. So good. It's so good. good. You guys, if there's one place that you have to go, if you have one, it is a Mastro's. It is my favorite. Yeah. By far. And Gretchen and I had a real good time there without the cocaine. Without the cocaine. We thought that was real exciting, though. (laughs) It was the highlight (laughs) of the night. Of the night it kind of (laughs) was. 
And Gretchen barely actually made it because Willow was still recovering. Oh my God, oh God the worst. Land for so long. <laughs> she thought it wasn't going to be over in like we're 10 finally, days. We're finally coming out of it. But, you know, there's been the side effect that I was not prepared for, Tab, was that her voice has changed substantially. Well, I knew it was. Okay, so let me tell you, Gretchen's daughter, Willow, had these massive tonsils like you... If you looked in her mouth, you could barely even see the little hangy ball because the tonsils basically touched the hangy ball. The doctor said they were the size of golf balls. In fact, one of the moms came up to my husband and is like, hey, I heard Willow has balls in her throat. <laughs> He's like, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, young please, for that. please. That's horrible. <laughs> you do not make those jokes about your seven-year-old. Stop it. Uh, she's a tiny little girl. So having those massive tonsils, her voice was kind of um, nasally. It was nasally, but deep nasal, like kind of like a... Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, so oh, let's oh. just be honest. It, her voice was real annoying before. So we were hoping it was going to come out like better yeah i knew it would Mm, come out better not really no no i have googled it since and it can take like six months to go back to normal okay but now our voice is like uh, how can i do it hi (laughs) (laughs) welcome to housewives of true crime oh god (laughs) no it's something like that she sounds like Mickey Mouse? She does kind of sound like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, she does. And I thought she was faking it. Oh I mean, I was God. really like, okay, but I love you. Talk normal. She's like, what? <laughs> does she hear it? Did you ask her? Do you she sound is not faking it. I mean, this is really like her voice now. And no. so we're all just kind of like living with it. But it's funny because the other two kids are her twin sister is like, okay, but for real, when is Willow going to start talking normal? <laughs> like, I don't know. It might be a while. And, you you know, you have to. It's okay to be different. And you got to make sure you tell anybody that, like, makes fun of her, you know? Yeah. Uh, my son, Wyatt, who is kind of a wild card. My son is on the spectrum. I don't know if you're familiar with anybody like that. But he doesn't really have a filter. No, He's no very filters. truthful. Yeah. You know, he'll like regularly say things to me like, I'll be like, good night, love you. And he's like, yeah, love you. But I love dad more. Just so we're clear. <laughs> like, got it. You know, Caden does that also. <laughs> um, but he always loves me more. Oh, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> nice. Well, so anyway, so it was like, you know, when Ruby was complaining about the voice, it's like, oh, my gosh, what is Wyatt going to say? You know, and if something irritates him, he does not like let it go. Mm-hmm. But you know, he said, I think her voice is fantastic. Oh, that yeah. was nice. Fantastic. He enjoys it. Okay. So, you well, know, at least one of the five of you do. Yeah, but we have an appointment on Monday. So we're gonna talk we're about gonna it. Talk to the doctor because my husband is like, Oh, no, 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 no. It's got to change. <laughs> I'm like, maybe it won't. Maybe we'll get her like a voiceover agent. We'll take oh. this thing like all the way to the bank. She'll be cartoonist. He's like, no, 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 I can't. I can't. Oh my God. That's so funny. Oh, little Will Will. Yeah. Okay. So in other news, 
Gretchen has a story to tell us today. Oh, I do. Yeah, this story is for all our kiwis out there. Do you know what a kiwi is? A fruit. It is also someone from New Zealand. Okay, is that a nice way to call them? Yeah, that's what they call each other. Okay, just want to make sure. Don't that we're not anybody. <laughs> what? That we're not racist? Yes, I just want to like, you know, we're happy with everybody. We so are. If you like being called a kiwi, we'll call you a kiwi. Yeah, well, this person. It's a real good fruit also. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a real good fruit. <laughs> and it is also one place, if they're from New Zealand, is one place I really want to visit. It's mm-hmm. on my bucket list. I keep begging my husband to go. Yeah, but it's so far. It is real far. It's really far. But you know, I would be real in heaven there. Most of the white wine that I drink comes from New Zealand, Marble region, like the Kim Crawford. Yeah, I know. Tastes like grapefruit, light, doesn't give me a headache. It's my favorite. Okay, well, I'm going to see about that. And guess what? My husband is actually going to Australia like next week. Australia and New Zealand are separate countries. So don't, I don't want you to sound dumb. Oh, I know that, but okay. they're like across the uh, little no. okay. ocean. Yeah. The small yeah. little yeah. Yeah. hip jump, whatever. Yeah, they're like cousins. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you go to one, you Mine's can go to both. the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's going for work. So I'm like, you, you're flying there. Just take me with you and I'll hop skip right over to New Zealand for a little bit. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Not happening. No. You got crimes to work on. It's true. You need to get them out of your hair for a while, I think. I've got big things coming. Yeah. We've got big things <laughs> yeah. coming. And I can't wait to tell you all. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So from so, New Zealand, Kiwis. from a listener. Thank you okay, for sending. Okay. So this is from listener Wendy Dowler suggested we do a New Zealand crime and she even sent me some suggestions. Thanks, Wendy. Yeah, thanks, Wendy. And I picked this one because it was so bananas. But listen, we love suggestions. Mm-hmm. So send them to us. Yeah, we're happy. Send our, them our way. If you're a listener, then you kind of get the kind of crime we're we're into. Yeah, our next episode one also. that's just a little juicy. Mm-hmm. Needs to have some juice. Yeah, it needs to have some juice, not just like a straight up you know. Yeah. The next one I'm doing also grudge. Yeah. From a listener. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I think it's awesome. Yeah. We like it. Okay. So I am going to tell you today about two young girls that met in 1953 at the girls high school in the town of Christchurch, New Zealand named Pauline and Juliet. Mm, Cute names, right? Mm -hmm. Juliet's parents had come to New Zealand from London Juliet's father was Henry Hume. He had moved his family to Christchurch because he had just gotten a job as the rector of the university at Canterbury. As you can imagine, they don't just hand that position out to anyone on the street. So Henry had had quite the impressive resume, working as a well-educated and established physicist back in London. Henry was Real smart, obviously, and like lots of real smart people, I think he was a bit antisocial. But Hilda, Juliet's mother, she made up for it. She was quite the socialite. She was a very attractive lady. She also had a reputation for being social with the men in town and consequently 
not making a lot of lady friends on account of her behavior because she had this way where she kind of thought she was above everyone. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being the kind of very social socialite that Hilda was, if you get my drift, takes up a lot of your time. And so she wasn't about to let something like having a sick kid get in her way. You know, it takes up a lot of time being a hoe, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So after Juliet had developed pneumonia as a little girl from being stuck outside when bombs were being dropped in London, her mother shipped her off to the Bahamas. To like boarding school? Like with a nurse. Oh. You know, like apparently that was like what people did during that time. Wow. Okay. It was World War II. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you had the means, you just shipped your kid off oh. with a nurse somewhere where it wasn't so dusty. Okay. From the Bahamas, she went to Barbados and then on to anywhere where they would take her for extended periods of time while she battled chronic complications from severe pneumonia. Oh, my God. And the mom was not with her. No. No. The family, which now included Juliet's brother, Jonathan, had briefly reunited in Christchurch after Henry got the job as rector, but the family reunion didn't appear to go very smoothly. And so Hilda shipped her off to a boarding school in Hastings over 300 miles away, but that didn't work out either. And in 1952, she came back to Christ Church and was enrolled in the girls' high school. When Juliet started at the high school, her classmates were impressed by this new girl with a posh accent that had traveled to all over to all these other countries and had fancy parents from London. She was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Most of the girls at the school came from working class families, so Juliet really stood out. The girl she really got on well with was Pauline. This is a little surprising because their former classmates described them very differently. Juliet was this kind of over-the-top personality that sometimes came off like, you know, like I was saying, like she thought she was kind of all that in a bag of chips. And Pauline, who preferred to be called Paul, was like very dowdy and described as kind of a wallflower. Pauline had grown up in New Zealand, and currently her parents ran a boarding house in town. So they had lots of people, you know, coming and going. It was a lot of work. Although her family background was very different, being that Pauline's family was working class and their personalities were different as well, these girls bonded over both experiencing debilitating illnesses that prevented them from participating in P.E., Pauline had suffered from osteomyelitis, which is a bone condition that she had been hospitalized for in the past. Weren't we just talking about kids not be liking PE? Yes, my son hates it. Did you like PE? Uh, I did. Yeah, I think I did too. Because I love sports. Yeah. So for me, that was my favorite my favorite, you know, period. I think a lot of people did not like PE though. They're real happy to sit out. Tons of people. Yeah. 
But listen, if you are fully able to participate in PE, it's probably a good idea because some of those people that were sitting out were probably shouldn't have been. Yeah. Okay. It's good for your, for everything. And especially for kids to do it early on, then they keep it going, you know, as adults. Yeah, totally. But you can imagine these girls, I mean, yeah, you got to be friends with the girl that is, I mean, they should send them to the library or something. For sure. There's other things like my son hates PE, right? Yeah. And at one school, they let him do go noodle instead, which is kind of like a active video thing where you can like yeah. jump around and jump, do jumping jacks with a little character on TV. But yeah, I mean, there's other things. Yeah. So okay. whatever. Okay. Okay. So we know a lot about the girls close friendship at that time because they both kept diaries. Oh. Juliet was a prolific writer and very imaginative, which I am speculating as a lot of people have. This is kind of a result from being left alone for so much of her life. That's so sad. I know. So Pauline was drawn to Juliet's privileged lifestyle that the Hulms had provided her. They had this beautiful mansion in the countryside that was a real escape from the boarding house she was used to. The girls spent hours and hours there creating their own elaborate fantasy land that they called the fourth world. Pauline said in her diary that the girls had an insoluble bond. From the way the diary read, it appears that they spent every possible minute together in their own world. They had started bathing together. They had started sleeping in a bed together. How old were they at this point? Uh, I think they probably met when they were 14 and 15. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, they're taking it a little next level, like more than going into the bathroom stall at Mastro's. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which I was like, like, this is a little outside my comfort zone tab. When we were walking out of the bathroom stall in Mastro's, we might have gotten a couple looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I passed w- out the stickers. Right. I thought they would listen. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so at one point, they went on a bike ride and decided to take their clothes off in the countryside, and they were in such a state of euphoria that they came back to town without them. They had simply forgotten to get dressed. How is this possible? I don't know, but you know, one time when I was pregnant, I sat down on the toilet and I forgot to remember this. I forgot to pull my underwear down. Like, it wasn't like I was even rushed. I just simply forgot. And then I realized I had just peed in my underwear for no reason. I mean, I was on the toilet. Um, I don't think that's, like, too uncommon. Yeah, pregnancy brain is, like, a real thing. And you can't even see past your, like, belly. Yeah, I really couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's a movie about the girl's story, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. It is with a young Kate Winslet. Oh. Yeah. The movie is called Heavenly Creatures, and they really play up the whole, like, 
girls in the fourth world. It's like the movie is a lot of dream sequences mm-hmm. kind of things. It, you know, I watched it for y'all. It's like so fantasy. Watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It was not really my thing. I mean, I think they did tell the story pretty well, but I just think they played that up a little extra. Yeah. Yeah. It's like based on the story, but they needed yeah. to make a movie out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can imagine it was suspected that the girls were involved in a homosexual relationship. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that was frowned upon. And so what I read, it doesn't sound like it was directly addressed with the girls. But at the same time, Pauline's parents were like real okay with putting some space between them, which was looming on account of Henry Hume was being pushed out of his position at the university and his marriage was falling apart. Remember Hilda Hume. Yeah, she was. Yeah, Sancho Central. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so side note, while in Christchurch, Hilda had taken a position at the Marriage Council Board and the vibe around town was that the Humes were pompous, hypocritical assholes that would not be missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it was a really like the town joke that she's like hoeing around and, and doing marriage, marriage counseling. Board. Yeah. Okay. So now the plan was for them to leave Christchurch and send Juliet to her aunt in South Africa. Henry had told Pauline he would pay for her to go with Juliet, but The general consensus about this is that it was like a real dick move because he did this knowing full well that Pauline's mother would never agree. Mm -hmm. And she didn't. And that would be a problem for these two 15 and 16-year-old girls with an insoluble bond. So they came up with a plan. They figured they could just get rid of Pauline's mother, Honora, And then surely her father would agree to let her go to South Africa with Juliet. Oh, goodness. Right? So they decided to. I know, I know, I know. I wasn't going to do, but, you know. (laughs) Gretchen seriously has a problem. I know. But, yeah, it's not a stabbing. They got to whacking. Okay? (laughs) I mean, they decided to whack her with a brick tied up in a stocking. I mean, that's like oh so my 1950s, God. right? Yeah. They thought surely it would only take like one good whack. And then they would tell everyone she had just taken quite a tumble. And then that's it. Off to South Africa. I mean, it's not like the worst plan in the world. No, but it's very juvenile thinking. Yeah. So they took Honora on a walk on a trail in Victoria Park, and things didn't really go how the girls envisioned. It ended up taking quite a few whacks. Okay? Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know? By the time the girls were done bludgeoning her to death, it would be pretty clear that something more than just Honora taking a tumble had been, you know, her demise. They also found the murder weapon pretty easily by where the body was. And when the girls ran back into town, they were both covered in blood, Mm. which, you know, didn't really add up to their whole story. Mom fell down the 
trail. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, things are hectic when something happens. And so at the time, Henry Hume was allowed to pick up the girls from the scene and take them home. Mm -hmm. So Hilda said in her court deposition that her daughter seemed elated and removed from whatever had just happened. That's not a real good defense. Yeah. That's like, (laughs) maybe she was happy it happened. Yeah. I mean, you're saying this in a deposition about your daughter. I mean, Mm. maybe less is more, Mama Hilda. Yeah. Yeah. mm. Mm. Okay. So the police went to Pauline's house. And by this time, they're already suspicious of the girl's story. And they stumbled upon her diary. And that's when it was clear to them that the two girls had plotted this murder together. So they actually gave the Humes a heads up that they were going to come and question the girls about the incident. And so Hilda asked one of the caretakers at the mansion to put all of Juliet's writings in the incinerator. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, which, that's a lot. I mean, these girls spent hours and hours writing. Writing. Yeah. Yeah. So when they arrived, they questioned them at Juliet's house and the girls ended up confessing. So in 1954, they were put on trial. By the time of the trial, Henry Hume had taken his son, Jonathan, back to England and Hilda stayed behind with her current lover, Bill Perry. Their only defense was insanity since they had already confessed, you know, It's interesting because they used Pauline's diary to show this elaborate fantasy world that the girls had to paint a picture of the girls' insanity. But the problem is it also reads like the crime is premeditated, Mm -hmm. okay? The diary also reads like the girls were in love with each other. And in 1954 in New Zealand, homosexuality was viewed as a mental illness. And apparently... That was not taken off the books for more than 20 years until 1974. No way. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Well, it's that insanity. Can they say because they were, I don't know. It's like the whole, like proving the girls were homosexual, like helps with their insanity claim as like crazy as that is. Yeah. So, okay. So were they or weren't they is like a debate that is still going on. In the movie, Heavenly Creatures, there is a scene where Pauline appears to be coming up from going down on Juliet. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Hollywood loves girl-on-girl action. Yeah, they do. I don't know where they got that. When former classmates are asked about it, they don't think they were. And part of their thinking, this stems from, at the time, they said their mothers didn't even know what lesbians were. They certainly didn't know. They'd never heard the word. People knew then that men had sex with each other, but those men were viewed as perverted. And two women together was just generally like unheard of. Like they couldn't, they just could not figure it out how two women did it. So when Juliet herself was questioned about this, she said, how is it possible? Like we're both girls. So, yeah. So maybe they were just best friends. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So interestingly, it came up at the trial that in Pauline's journal, when Juliet was on holiday without Pauline, Pauline boned one of the boarders at the house. Okay. And she never told Juliet about it. And at the trial, witnesses say it was pretty clear that this was the first time she was hearing about this and she like shot daggers at her in the courtroom. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there was a love that was deeper. Yeah, that's what I think. I think that they were in love with each other, but Mm -hmm. I don't think they ever acted it out. Yeah. You know, like they had that love where you're like jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but also, side note, part of their, like, fantasy life was they were all into Hollywood actors and opera singers. They called them saints, okay? Mm -hmm. They had, like, a list of them. They were, like, Robert Wagner, who, by the way, total murderer, okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Natalie Wood. Yeah, Natalie Wood. And Mario Lanza. Okay. James Dean, was he on the list? Because, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. He's on my list. He is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Brad Pitt, when James Pauline Dean. is describing boning this border guy, mm-hmm. she says that it hurt, not like when she had practiced doing what the Saints do with Juliet. What does that mean? I don't know. It could mean a lot of things, but. It could mean, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they were or they weren't, whatever. But it's pretty clear they were infatuated, obsessed, maybe in love with each other. Yeah. Maybe they did. Yeah. But who cares? But, I mean. It's just interesting. Yeah, it is just a really interesting fact, especially going back that far That far in time and and just not even know, you know, not even knowing like that that was like an option. Yeah. Yeah. So the girls were found guilty and sentenced to five years, each in separate prisons in New Zealand in 1954. They were paroled early in 1959, Mm -hmm. and it was kept a secret from the press. They were each given new names and a chance to start new lives. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so Juliet went immediately to England and worked as a flight attendant, eventually moving on from that to live and work as a nanny in California. Wait, did Cindy get reborn? (laughs) No. That's so crazy. That is not possible. And I will tell you eventually why. Okay. Okay. Well, reincarnation. So at one point during this period where she was working as a nanny, uh, she worked for a family that she didn't like, but she loved their next door neighbors and she loved their next door neighbors, Mormon beliefs. She was particularly attracted to Mormon views on forgiveness. From what I understand, it's Like, they believe you can make a real big mistake, like whacking your BFF's mama to death. And if you sincerely ask for forgiveness and live out the rest of your life as a good person, you're still going to get, like, hooked up in the afterlife. Okay, but what happens with the lesbian thing? Because I don't think they believe in that. Or they didn't for sure at that time. Well, yeah. 
She's a young girl. She's not, you know. Didn't we oh. already decide? She was just in love with her friend. She wasn't really. Okay. Well, she may. Whatever. Okay. No, just, Yet to be determined. Just saying. Okay. So she converted and left the family she was working for and made her way to Santa Monica, California. Shut the front door. Nope. She lived and worked in Santa Monica at a variety of jobs and continued attending church at, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints, the Mormon church. Yes. I lived right across the street from it. It's pretty spectacular. Oh, they are the most beautiful churches. That one on the way to San Diego is like, oh, oh my gosh. My kids are always like, is that a castle? I know. Oh. This one too. And it's like in... Westwood. It's real beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So after five years out here, she went back to England to be with her mother as she was taking care of her now stepfather, Bill Perry, as he was on his last days. So she then moved to Port Mahomek, Scotland, which is where she lived as a very successful writer of crime fiction novels without anyone knowing her secret past until 40 years after the whacking in 1994 when the movie Heavenly Creatures was released. This is the part where you're supposed to say that's bananas. That is bananas. I'm, I'm like, holy cow. So after the movie was released, there was a huge interest in finding her Initially, she was hesitant to give interviews about her past, partly because she felt that she was now Mm well-established. She was an author of 47 novels. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and they're all about crime. That's also amazing. And she didn't want that overshadowed by her past, and partly because she just felt really, really terrible about it. And she just wanted it left behind. Well, I'm glad she was remorseful. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It sounds like it really... Did a number. Did a number on her. So she goes by the name Ann Perry. She is still alive today. No way. And in 2009, she was filmed for a documentary about her life now. It's called Ann Perry Interiors. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. It's kind of boring. Okay. Though. Okay. So Anne has said that her and Pauline were just friends and there wasn't any more to it. It's interesting though, because in the documentary, it looks like she's remained a single lady all these years. Wow. Right. But she's still Mormon. Yeah. She's very, very Mormon. Okay. Yeah. So um, the documentary shows a look at her life from her inner circle, which is basically just her brother, Jonathan, who works for her now, and her secretary, who transcribes all her novels. She, like, handwrites all of them. Wow. And then she has a secretary that types them all up. That's like my mother-in-law. Crazy, right? She handwrites everything. She... Yeah. And then she's like, can you please type this for me? Let's just cut out the middleman and get to typing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then she has this best friend, Meg McDonald, who in her own words is completely devoted to Anne. She herself had known about Anne's past for the last 30 years that they had been friends 
before it all came out publicly, but she never told a soul and secret. Meg mentions that she has an ex-husband, but she doesn't seem to have anything else really going on except for her life and friendship with Anne. She says at one point that when Anne is working on something, she has to find ways to dig deep and keep her keyed in in the story and emotionally stable. I mean, that just seems like a lot of work for someone that is like just your friend. Yeah. Yeah. There is also a scene in the documentary where they kind of talk about it's time for Anne to put herself out there and find a man. And Meg encourages her to get out of her comfort zone and meet someone. So I don't know. I mean, this friendship between Anne and Meg is like, similar, I think, to what her ever her relationship was with Pauline. It seems like it's like a real deep friendship. Like, I don't think it's sexual, but Mm -hmm. it's like the kind of relationship you would have with someone who was your partner. Yeah. That's just my outside opinion. opinion. And I don't know what it is about Anne that she can just draws in that kind of energy, but that's what I think she does. I mean, the thing that was frustrating for me about the documentary or anything, there is a lot written about this case, was that there isn't anywhere where Anne has said much more about the time with Pauline in Christchurch, New Zealand, other than that she was very sorry that it happened. And I want to know, like, does she miss Pauline? I know. Now or still, right? What happened with Pauline? Okay, so... Pauline, after she was released, she took the name Hillary Nathan. She remained in New Zealand and graduated college from Auckland University in 1964. And then she moved to Great Britain in 1965 and has remained there since. So they're kind of close to each other. Mm -hmm. She worked as a librarian in London for years. Also like Juliet or Anne, Hillary or Pauline found religion and became a devout Catholic. She lives now in a rural town called the village of the who. (laughs) Whoville? Whoville. Yeah. Oh my God. Where she runs a horse stable. She lives a very reclusive life. She has never talked to reporters about her past. What we know about her life all comes from an interview with her sister, Wendy. She says her sister doesn't even own a television or radio, so she wouldn't have heard of Ann Perry, and she wouldn't care. But really, would she not care? Right. She would care. She says her sister has lived her life deeply sorry for the events in 1954, and she has made up for it by being such a good person ever since. What's Interesting, though, is the reporter who traveled to the rural town, the village of the Who, where Pauline slash Hillary lives, Mm -hmm. said that one of the few people who knew enough about her to comment was the librarian in town who said that, yeah, she spends hours upon hours there reading. So I'm thinking maybe she has heard of Ann Perry. I mean, Ann Perry has like 47 best-selling Oh. Crime novels in the UK. She has. 
I don't believe that for a and hot second. And you know, second. her picture is on the inside of the book, so mm-hmm. maybe she does, right? She does. Come on. So the towns where they each reside are 11 hours apart. So it's, I it's mean, far. Yeah, it's far. It's about as far as you can be from each other while still being in the UK. Mm-hmm. But come on, ladies, let's meet halfway, right? Yeah. I mean, they went through something so crazy together. Oh, my gosh. I would after just all these love years, to see them just sit down. But one of the stipulations of their release in 1959 was that they would never contact each other again. So I don't know if they really, but come on, no one is holding you to that. No, not now, but I, well, but they're so devout in their religions, both of them, that they probably are like, so interesting though, right? They both found religion. Mm -hmm. They both have stayed single. I mean, it really, really did a number on their whole Their whole whole life. life. It changed their whole life. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to show you their pictures. Okay. Okay. I love that Gretchen prints them out in the printer like a 1984. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Pauline, Juliet. So this is her now. Okay. That's exactly how I pictured her actually. Isn't it? Yeah. She looks very like, who does she look like? We're talking about Juliet right now. Ann Perry. She looks like... Sophisticated. Yeah. I mean, she looks English. She does. Mm -hmm. And then there is... Hillary. She looks not sophisticated. No. She looks like a hippie. Yeah. She looks kind of like a hippie. Mm -hmm. And then this is Hilda. Okay. All right. Yeah. That is a crazy story. Crazy, right? They're both still alive. That's amazing. So yeah, no, Cindy is not uh, reincarnated from that's Juliet. and that is why. <laughs> and Cindy would never kill anybody. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, right? Cindy. But She's isn't our it interesting listener, so. though that the mommy that got killed in this story was not the mommy that shipped off her kid. To, I know. You know, convalesce in the Bahamas and ditched her and was hoeing around. Oh no, she got off scot free. Yeah, that's kind of sad. It yeah. is a sad, sad tale. So who knows what the mom would have been like had she lived and the kid and all that. Yeah. So thanks for that story, Gretchy Poo. We want to give a couple shout outs first to. One of our listeners named Josh. Oh, yeah. He wrote a review and he gave us a really good tip on one of the episodes that I did about Sam Little. I called a uh, one of the victims that I said she wasn't a woman because she was a trans and the appropriate. You said technically. Yes, I said technically. So he let me know that like the politically correct way to refer to that is like the person was assigned male at birth. So that was a really good tip. And you guys, seriously, we are always open to We appreciate that. And we are, it is never our intention to be insensitive to anybody. And he said in his review, you know, I know that it did not come from a place of, you know, racism or anything like that. He said, I know it came from a place from not knowing the 
correct vocabulary. And, and you know what? You're 100% right. Yeah. We didn't know. And thanks for educating us. And yeah. I hopefully we're going to pass that education on. For sure. Clink, and clink, Josh. Clink, clink, Josh. Thank you. And we do appreciate it. And then on another lighter note, we had a listener and her boyfriend who also is a listener, Brandon and Audrey. Audrey. Brandon posted a video in our group, private group. You guys, he's so fun. It's reason to join the private group. It totally is. He impersonates us and it's real cute. And we hope you keep sending him Brandon because we think it's real funny. Yeah. So thanks for that. Yeah. And please join us on that Facebook group. It's Housewives of True Crime group. And we also have Housewives of True Crime on Instagram. Twitter, but I'm not much of a tweeter. So if anybody wants to take over the Twitter account, they for sure can for me. <laughs> I'm like, do not know how to do it. Intern, anybody, anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Email me. I think that's it right. for today. Clink, clink, Gretchie. Clink, clink.